what we have to do is really take that time and, and slow down. And I think that's also part of the reason and, and the problem in media today. Everyone's trying to rush, 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 and everyone's trying to be first. That you're not actually taking the time to think about things. And uh, someone once told me that you know a, a successful life is when you will be able to take the time to literally stare out the window and just think about anything. And so getting to that point is something that I've always strived for, that you can literally just sit back and, and do nothing and think. A big question right now is Vancouver's identity. Uh, what do we stand for? How are we moving? Uh, what does it mean to be from Vancouver? How do we celebrate our similarities? How do we move together? We celebrate diversity, but do we really? Today, I'm sitting down with Farhad Mohammed, And if you don't know Farhan, he is someone who has built Daily Hive, um, which is one of the biggest media conglomerates, digital media conglomerates um, in Canada and now in the US as well. I'm sure you guys have checked out the seven things to do this weekend, the eight things to do in Capilano, the um, five food festivals going on in Richmond or whatever it may be. Um, so Farhan was actually at the helm of that, built that uh, with the partners from you know, Van City Buzz through to Daily Hive uh, for the past seven and a half, coming up eight years. Uh, someone who's interviewed, I don't know, the prime minister, uh, interviewed a ton of influential people here in Canada, one of the most intelligent minds we have here in Vancouver, extremely grateful um, for his time. And I'm extremely excited to be able to bring that to you. Think Space audience, as always, love you guys. So yeah, in terms of what we talked about, I'm going to leave that for the conversation itself. But what I will say is if you're a creative in Vancouver, you're a creative in any up and coming city, if you're someone that creates content, creates digital narratives, capitalizes on community, builds community, is working in any sort of digital medium, or is anyone that is trying to build humans through their organization, here's someone that's done it extremely, extremely well. And I'm, I'm very excited to bring this conversation to the forefront. So without further ado, Farhan Mohammed, thank you. Let's get into the pod. The Think Space podcast is a home for the passionately curious. We aim to dig deep and learn as much as possible by connecting the right questions with the right people. So we bring in some of the best minds in the Pacific Northwest, regardless of their industry, to extract the most value from their stories and experiences. Yes, you're going to get something from this episode, which is good. Or you could get something from every episode we release by subscribing on whichever platform you're listening on. You can find the full show notes at thinkspacepodcast.com or have the visual experience of this podcast over on YouTube. If you want to get looped into some exclusive content or private giveaways, join our mailing list. The link's in the description. Farhan, thank you so much for joining me here today. Um, I really appreciate uh, you spending the time, taking the time. First things first, conquer COVID-19. Great tea. Where can I get it, Apparently, sir? you can't buy these anymore. I got this uh, way back in the beginning when like Ryan Reynolds is going crazy telling everyone that you need to buy this t-shirt. And so I put it in order. It's funny because on the back of it, you can't see it. It says, uh, stay home, stay safe. And it's funny because I, I almost wore this outside once and I realized, no, I can't wear this out. I have to stay home just to stay safe. Uh, so you can't, can't buy them anymore, but, um, but you can make donations uh, to pretty much anywhere. So I know, I know you have been staying home. I know you have been staying safe. But I did notice in my social media creeping that we did lose the beards. That must mean we're back in business in some way, shape, or form. Is this correct? Well, it's, it's a crust because on one side, you know, you're thinking, all right, well, NHL is coming back. And so I need to get ready to start the playoff beard again. Uh, but on the flip side, um, you know, at, at a certain point, you realize, like, 
maybe maybe it's time for a fresh start and so uh, it's funny because i actually shaved it all <laughs> off on my on my last day uh of working uh, before i i left my job so i said you know what it's time for a new start it's time for a new beginning and my wife is much happier for it wow um yeah i know it gets a little scruffy sometimes right and i know i know the cheeks get a little bit red and you know it's not it's not too nice that way so new start very interesting. Let's get the cat out the bag right away. Daily Hive, seven and a half years, building one of the largest uh, digital media conglomerates, publications, um, you know, yourself running the newsroom and and just really being at the forefront of, I'm going to go out and say probably the most successful God, I mean, started as a blog, but ended as this like behemoth thing um, in the country. I mean, I don't know who stands next to Daily Hive. Maybe that's a good question, actually. Who does stand next to Daily Hive in Canada? Because I'm all consumed. Yeah, it's by funny. It. I mean, it's it's such a different space today than it was seven and a half years ago, where that question's a very tough one to answer because you're among pretty much everyone else in the industry. Uh, you've got some of the big blogs still that have a big following and then you're you're in there with traditional media and mainstream media so it's interesting it's kind of like everyone and anyone that you would think of from a national standpoint so we often would get compared to like the likes of the cbc ctv in terms of their coverage and the stuff that they were doing yeah yeah and but at the same time there's there's a plethora of online blogs and publications that maybe aren't as well known or as big as you guys, but you're still kind of in that realm as well. You have that, that aspect to you as well. It's really interesting. It's hard for me to get my mind around it. Um, but anyways, I digress. I digress. Please tell me what is on your plate right now. I'd love to check in and kind of figure out where we're at now and then we can work our way through the backstory a little bit but i know you have a child on the way i know you you know just stepped down from this position where's your head at where what, what everyone wants to know what are you doing it's funny you because doing? um throughout my life the way i've gone about things is i i don't follow the conventional norm and so it was funny because when i made the decision to leave uh i didn't realize that again i was following that same path because when people leave jobs normally they have something else lined up and for me, I didn't have that. For me, I said, you know what? Uh, I need to look at my family. I need to look at my happiness, my health, both physical and mental. And I need to make a decision that is thinking of all those things and be a little bit selfish. And so when I, when I left, it was literally leaving without anything next. And so it's really funny because everyone keeps asking me what's next, what's next, what's next? And I'm like, nothing. I'm sitting here right now in my kid's room uh, waiting for it, to, waiting for it Hang to arrive. It and so I've got this comfy, comfy rocking chair right now. Um, and I'm, I'm taking the, uh, I'm taking the time to think about things and think about what I want to do next and what do I want to accomplish in life and how much time do I have on my hands and, um, what is it that I want to achieve both personally and professionally? And, and for the first time, uh, like I've never, I've never done that before for me when I started with daily hive, then Van City Buzz, I was still in university. And it was something that, you know, things just happened and, and fell into place. And uh, one thing led to another. And next thing you know, I'm, I'm working full time. I'm, I'm a partner of the company. I'm leading the newsroom and, and kind of directing the, the ship in that way. And I never had the chance to really step back and say, you know, what is it that I actually want here? And, uh, and now I'm doing that. 
This episode is brought to you by Self Hired. Self Hired, if you don't know, is a content studio that specializes in video production as well as photography and yes, podcast production. So if you are an individual or you are a head of a company or a marketing manager or a content manager at a company that's thinking about one of the most powerful mediums in 2020 and want to start a podcast, uh, give the fellas over at Self Hired um, a call that you can reach them at selfhired.com um, or info at selfhired.com if you want to blast them an email. Thank you guys so much. And here's to the episode. It's 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 fascinating, isn't it? How life comes at us so so quickly, and yet we fail to recognize the moments in which define us. Like I, I was I was uh, surfing through your your social media, and you were talking about um, interviewing Justin Trudeau. Which, by the way, oh my gosh, how many times have you met Justin oh, Trudeau? A, a bunch. <laughs> a bunch. Okay, a light light flex <laughs> light flex there. Let's not get into numbers. Let's not get into numbers. Um, but these moments in life where I, mean, I know you were talking about that, that seem to define us, whether it's interviewing certain people or being in certain meetings or certain rooms or cutting certain deals. And yet we have this way about us where we're like, yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I, I interviewed our prime minister. Yeah. I was uh, at all of these, you know, social media HQs. Yeah. I, you know, built one of the largest digital conglomerates in Canada. Yeah. And what's next? I don't know. I'm having a kid. So we'll see. <laughs> It's very well, lazy fair. I, mean, I love it. I love it. It's but it's interesting, interesting. because you know, and, and and I posted this on on Instagram. I realized I, I ended up sharing some memories in the in my in my last week with the company, um, and I realized that we don't take time to celebrate these sorts of things, and because of the pace that things are moving at, you know, you you, you win and you move on to the next thing right away. And the story that I that I told on on my Instagram post was very much that where. I did this interview with Justin Trudeau and it was uh, at the young president's organization um, in front of like a few thousand business leaders from around the world. I think it was an hour or two after that, my mom calls me and I literally played it off as though it was nothing. And she's getting upset at me. Like, what do you mean? Like, you don't want to talk to me. I'm like, well, I got work to do. And so I always thought back to that time and I realized that that was a big moment in my career um, along with like a hundred, 200 different moments at the same time. And I didn't take the time to celebrate that. And I went right back to work and I went right back to it. And so what we have to do is really take that time and, and slow down. And I think that's also part of the reason and, and the problem in media today. Everyone's trying to rush, 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 and everyone's trying to be first, that you're not actually taking the time to think about things. And uh, someone once told me that you know a, a successful life is when you will be able to take the time to literally stare out the window and just think about anything. And so getting to that point is something that I've always strived for, that you can literally just sit back and, and do nothing and think. And you can sit and do nothing. Like that is, is one of my goals that I want to get to. And how do I get to that? Interesting how you just spun the narrative of, I need to get to this place of doing nothing, right? It's like it's so hardwired into our psychology. I know, and it's easy to, it's easy to say, and I, I understand the concept. But I mean, for me as a young person, it's like, oh my gosh, I got this laundry list of things to do. I have this even even larger idea, uh, list of ideas that I want to execute on that I think, oh my gosh, this is incredible. I, I, need to, I need to put this forefront right now. I need to be the first to jump on it. Like I, I'm someone that believes that once you have an idea and you don't act on it, yep. it just goes into the universe and someone else gets it. And I go, God damn. I was thinking about that six months ago and here they are executing it. And I, and I, and that anxiety of that just comes back and comes back and comes back and comes back. Even, you know, Farhan, you were, you were on our radar for forever. 
And then, and then I'm good friends with E-Man and Angela and they went and had you on. And I was like, <laughs> God damn it. What am I doing? <laughs> Anyways, it's easy to, um, it's easy to say that. How do you actually dis- like disconnect, disassociate from that ambition narrative and actually do it? Because you're actually doing it. And many of us can say, I need to slow down. But I don't know what percentage of us actually Almost do it. Almost none. Um, no, it, it takes a big decision. It takes a lot of courage. When I left, um, when I left my job, uh, I had tons and tons of people who, who said to me, you know, thank you for doing that because what you're doing is now you're giving me the courage that if I want to make a move, if I want to do something, I can do it. And so that was a really interesting thing that happened out of all of these, out of all of this is that, you know, we are living life in such a way that, okay, what's happening tomorrow? What's happening the next day? What's happening the next day after that? How do we change and how do we get things done so that we can get to, you know, not even tomorrow, but the next week and the next month and then next year. And so we're always thinking and we're always like trying to move, move, move. And that's the problem with social media these days as well, is we're always on our phones, we're always connected. And so how can we disconnect? And I feel my, I found myself even changing that, where I used to get hundreds of notifications every single day. I haven't looked at it yet, but I already know my screen time has gone way down uh, because now I, I'll, I'll put my phone and I just keep it in my pocket sometimes. Or, you know, I won't even have it open or the first thing in the morning, I'm not going to look at it and go crazy. So, you know, you start to shift those sorts of things and... Um, and you start to realize like you, you, you are in control of all of these things. If you want to stop, you can stop. If you want to take a, take a day off, mental health is such a big thing right now where everyone's just go, go, go. But there's times where you literally just have to take a day and completely recover and say, I'm pausing. I learned this a long time ago where I would, I would work, you know, from uh, in the early days, probably 2013, 2014, when the company was young. And I'd be working from like seven, eight in the morning until maybe two, three, four in the morning. And so it was this constant cycle every day, every day, every day, because you always want to do more. But the thing I realized very quickly is you can't do that. You have to let your body recover. You have to let your mind recover. And it's not that you're saying stop. It's you're saying I'm hitting pause and I'm going to start up again tomorrow. And that's just the way that you have to mentally Mm -hmm. train yourself is that there's only so much you can do in one day. There's only so much you can do in one week. However, uh, and another one of those sayings, you know, we, we overestimate how much we can do in one year. We underestimate how much we can do in one decade. And so when you start to think like that, you realize I don't have to do it all right now, but how can I plan things out that what does the next 10 years look like and how do I get there and achieve what it is that I want to achieve? Mm-hmm. You are someone who built this company, you know, along with your partners, like young, a lot of people, a lot of people build, I know mean, it seems like the, the persona right now is that people are out in their 20s and they're building these incredible companies and whatnot, but most companies are built um, you know, by people in their 40s, 50s, 60s that are truly veterans, that have truly done this. And one of the, one of the common th- themes that I've found uh, when interviewing young people or you know, anyone under, I don't know, 40 really, it's been, it's been this, I have to go right now because there's so much I have to learn. I just want to learn. I just want to learn. Uh, social media, I want to learn. Okay, what about the algorithms? What can I learn there? Okay, well, um, organizational leadership, what can I learn there? And I know for myself, because I understand the compounding nature of time and the compounding nature of skills, it's like, I need to learn all of this stuff right away. And so even if I, if, even if I get past that first hurdle of being like, okay, I'm going to stop, I'm not going to work. I immediately <laughs> go to learn. <laughs> 
because I can justify that. But not learning and not working, heck, heck no. <laughs> it is. It's a trap. It is. And it's the, a trap. I mean, I feel like this all the time right now. I've been thinking, okay, I have, I have all this time on my hands. What is it that I want to do with it? And so I started trying to relearn French again. And like, and even that's something that I've like slowly gotten through. And I know that I'm probably 5% of the way there, but how do I get this done? But at the same time, how do I also just not do anything and just, just take a mm -hmm. breather? It's, it is a trap. It is a trap. So it's interesting that you're going full circle here now because initially like you said, you're working those, I don't know, what, 60, 80 hour or weeks more, yeah. or more. And it's just like, it doesn't seem for, I mean, speaking from my experience where someone could turn around and say, Hey, listen, man, you're, you're working 80 hours a week. And you go, well, I mean, kind of, but you clearly sent, you clearly felt a sense of urgency there. Um, what was it in those early days that motivated you to work in such a manner in a space that is not the space that it is today? People didn't know. We didn't know that the, the space that you've capitalized and built a, you know, an, an empire on was going to be the space that it is today. What did you see? What gave you that sense of urgency? What was the um, why? Well, so I I'd worked a few months at Post Media um, the summer before I started with the company, and I realized that it, it was you know firsthand experience that you realize that okay things are shifting and there's there's this gap that's now existing where you had in media you had these traditional mainstream media outlets and then you had small blogs the blogs were covering maybe one thing every day or one thing every few days or something like that and then mainstream that was doing hundreds a day and it was just it was way too much and no one was in the no one was in the middle of that to really look and say how are we making your life convenient how are we giving you information that is convenient to your life and so when you're looking at things like your own neighborhood and things that are going on, um, there was that missing gap. And for me, my life has always been about community. How do we strengthen community, build community, convert online to offline, convert offline to online? And how do we build that community and bridge that, that gap that exists? And that was something that I saw is that no one's capitalizing on this right now. And you know, as much as we care about what things are happening around the world, I care more about what's happening in my own neighborhood. And so that's the thing that I saw is that there's the gap there and no one's filling it and I have to fill this and let's go and let's go get this done. And, uh, you know, you saw that, um, I still remember we, we always used to say during the summer times, some, summer times and winters were really interesting where you saw a lull in, uh, in not traffic, but in the way that people worked, um, because summertime and you want to go out. And so we looked at that and said, all right, well, if you're not working over the summer, I'm going to work over the summer. And I'm going to get that um, get that jump on you. And then same thing in the winter, and you see that the work that you put in, you put in has an effect. And so we were fortunate enough that you know from an analytical standpoint, you can literally see the results of the work that you're putting in. And then it's almost this fire and this adrenaline that gets you going and this hunger that you know you see that those numbers keep going yeah. up and up. And you're like, all right, well I know it's working, and let me just continue at it, and it keeps going up and up. And so it's that um, that hunger that keeps you going on that side, but for starters it was it was that gap that existed and i said well you know if, if nobody jumps on this right now um then then we're gonna lose out and so it's up to us to do this wow so much there i, I think a little bit of what i'm hearing is that there was this whole you know the, the famous rap line of like grind all winter shine all summer and you were you're turning around and go no 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 no, no. grind all winter Ryan, all summer, 
I might catch a weekend in the fall. Well, yeah, it's, it's, it, you know, I, and, and this is where the the whole work life balance, work life integration, all of these things start to start to come up because for me, work became a part of my life, and my life became a part of my work, and so it was this intertwining. And you know, probably to this day, I mean, I, I had I teammates who would say that, you know, he doesn't sleep. And that became the thing is that any new staff member that joined, they would be told that I don't sleep. And and that was because, you know, I, I slept and, and I do sleep today. And I, I worked my hours in such a way, <laughs> but I was always on. And and that was a bit of a detriment to my own like mental and, and physical health. But I was always on in that way that I what I didn't want to miss something. And I knew that there was more to do and right. I knew that we had a big team and like, and so how do you start to really direct those things? And so I was always on, always connected, but at the same time, knowing that if you need to take a Friday off or you need to take a weekend off, like you can do it. That is totally fine. But at the same time, if there's something breaking or there's an election that's happening, or you have to be working 24 seven for a month or two months or three months or whatever that is, you have to put that time in. And so it balances itself out over the year and over the years. Um, but you have to really think about what does your life look like and how, how do you, how do you schedule yourself around these sorts of things? I've been a part of a couple of um, companies that have worked in the digital space in, in the past and each of them seem to do that culture piece different. Okay, listen, the, the fact of the matter is um, we need to work 10 hours or 12 hours a day. This, this is the fact that there's this much to do. Clients need X, Y, Z. We're building this present. This is, this is what it is. Now, the leaders of those companies have taken very different approaches. Um, and and I'm, I'm curious for, from your standpoint, what is it? How did you approach, um, whether it's the writers, whether it's regional directors saying, hey, listen, what, what was the narrative or the dialogue that you took with those people in order to motivate them and lead them to essentially um, – dedicate so much of their life to this one entity? Well, a lot of it for me kind of goes back to my very beginning in that uh, no one, no one ever handed me anything. I never, like for me, uh, this, the, the way I got the job was because I, I met one of the co-founders and I said, here's what I've done. Um, here's what I see. And here's what I think I can do. And it wasn't until me like fighting that and saying like, here's, here's what I think is possible. Um, here's the type of role that I want. And even then it wasn't defined, but a role was never handed to me in that way. I've always had to fight for that. And so I always gave that message to everyone that if you want something, it is there for you. I'm not going to hand you the silver platter, uh, but the platter is there. It's a matter of you want it or not. And so if you want to grow, if you, uh, and, and the thing was, you know, it was a small company, the, the framework was small, the, the org chart was small, um, but the potential was there. And so I always painted that picture. Here's what we can become. Here's where we are now. If you want to get there, here are the things that you need to do. If you want to get to the place that, uh, that others are and more senior people are, here's the things that you have to do. I'm not saying that you have to work all day, every day, but if you want to get to that point, then then here are the steps in order to get there. And so when you leave it up to people in that way, you know, you, you, you poke them in the right ways and in the right spots and you know the, you know, what's going to light the fire under their ass. And so so you know those things to help them get going. But if if they're the ones who are telling you this is where I want to get to, then you say, okay, I'm giving you full control to do that. I want you to take that. You tell me where you need help. 
And if I see gaps, I'm going to step in and I'm going to try to help you out with them. But it's all up to you. The, the power is in your hands right now. And what I've found is that when you can empower people to do that, then they start to you know take control of that. And um, in, in a lot of ways, they don't necessarily wait for you to say something. They're just going to go do it because you've given them the power to do that. And so it's finding that balance between both that how much, how much um, autonomy can you give while also giving direction in the way that you want it to go. But that's the thing that I always found worked is that you say to people that it's all up to you. It's completely in your hands. If you want to, you know, make tons and tons of money and have a big team, uh, it's totally fair game and we can make that happen. But it's up to you from, from the beginning. Right. When you say uh, you find different ways to, you know, poke someone in the butt or light a fire under their ass, it's like, well, everyone's mm-hmm. different. That's one of the things that is I've found in my conversations with people is that it just seems to be this natural talent that people have saying, ah, yes, Greg over there. I know what Greg needs in order for Greg to become the best version of Greg, not just for the company, but for himself. I'm just going to, I'm going to literally, I'm going to open the door one half inch so he can take a look and go, ah, that's it. But being able to open that specific door for that specific person at a specific time, how do you find what those motivations are or understand that person from a human psychology yeah, standpoint? Well, it's funny because um, if I go back to be the beginning of when I started to build it, like when we were building the team and when I started to have my own team, I, I treated everyone as though uh, I wanted to be treated. And it was the biggest mistake because I figured, you know, that, that <laughs> if I want this team to, to be like, how I want to be treated and how I'd like to be run and things like that. But I've realized quickly that you can't run like that and that everyone is different. And so it's funny because, you know, as you, as you start to grow and as you start to develop uh, and, and you start to have a larger role in that way, most of your job is HR and you're dealing with people and, and what it is they want and need. Um, and it, it becomes something that's, that's, you know, you have to take the time in order to understand them, understand their wants and needs and desires and their goals. Um, and, and it's a really challenging thing, especially when you've got a ton of people. And so the best thing you can do is have good managers and work with them and allow them to be able to work with their people. And you step in when you need to. Um, you make yourself as open as possible, even though, you know, for me, I know that was a challenge and people would always see that, okay, you're, you're this guy who's always busy. You've always got things happening. You always have meetings. You always, you're always on type of thing. But when, when you open yourself in that way and you say, look, like I'm always here, I'm, I am busy always. If I'm not busy, I'm doing something wrong. So first and foremost, let's get that out of the way. But then you move on to that next thing and you say, okay, well, you know, let me help you like you you tell me and again it you know i put it back that i'm here if you need me and if you want me um i'm going to give you a job and i'm going to give you the ability to do everything that you think you can do and everything we need you to do but it's going to be then up to you that if you want me if you if you if you need me and you want that help like you come you come and ask me and then at the same time i'm going to give you the time when i when i you know schedule it and that kind of thing but it's understanding people on that human nature it's um you know, it's, it's talking to them as much as possible. It's finding time to go out with, you know, for coffee walks with them or you call them every so often. Um, I used to do that to people as I would just, uh, especially in different time zones, I would just call them at random points. And I remember I called someone, I think it was Friday night in Toronto at like nine o'clock 
And, uh, and someone said, you know what, you don't call them right now. And I said, no, I'm going to call them and then see what's up and, and try to get to know them. And so you follow people on social media at the same time, like you get a sense of, of who they are, what they want. Um, and, and that way you can, you can start to understand them a little bit more because once, once the, the monetary number is out of the way, then it's all about what kind of lifestyle right. do they want and, um, and how can you help them achieve that? Yeah, but I mean, even the even just pinning down that monetary number as well. I mean, because one dollar is not equivalent to everyone, right? And and understanding what yeah. their form of value is, what's their dollar amount? Is it not about dollars at all? Like, oh my gosh, organizational organizational leadership is not to be um, taken lightly. Like it's an incredible thing that takes like years and years and years and years to develop. And that's that's partly what's so interesting about how you've built Daily Hive is that when you look at Daily Hive, underneath it, you actually have, I don't know, eight, ten people who could legitimately walk away and start something just as successful. Like they're incredible people. So you've acted you've acted in that in a human development standpoint. You're you're really actually pushing these people to to be something. My, the follow-up question to that would be, how do you, because you've clearly done that by on purpose, but then retaining those people, how do you retain superstars? Um, you know, internally, you have to say that these are the people that I want with me. And, um, you know, people will come and go and, and sometimes you're going to be a stepping stone for them to get to something else. Sometimes they're going to be with you for a long time. Uh, and so mentally you make that note and say, okay, these are the types of people like those franchise players that I want around me. And yeah. how do I give them everything that I can? And how do I build success around them and let them run as fast as they can? And when you see barriers that come up, uh, you know, I always used to think of myself, um, you know, you're the people person, the HR person, even though we have an HR person, uh, but you then become the shield is if, if something is going to affect them and if they're not happy with something, then you step in and you say, okay, well, I know that your potential is, is, is here. Uh, how do I help you get there? And if there's something in the middle, I'm going to come and I'm going to remove that barrier for you so that you can, you can, you can take right. us higher and and faster. And so you, you start to, you know, you make those notes uh, internally and, and, and mentally, and you start to say, okay, well, where's the person today? Where's their potential? If their potential is through the roof, okay, we want to keep them as long as we can. And now I'm going to make sure that if they're, you know, whatever is going on, I'm going to make sure that I'm, I'm checking in on them. I'm going to make sure that I'm doing these sorts of things. And it's tough because those, those, all those things take time. Like you sometimes don't know mm -hmm. uh, what someone's going to be until you've spent maybe a year or two or three with them and which is, it is a lot of time in today's world so you know you 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 just have to commit to it and you say like this is where where we want to be this is where you want to be um let's let's start to get there and so i always did this in my mind and and um and i used to say it out loud like my job was really thinking about where we're going to be in five years and ten years and what are the repercussions of inaction today in five years from now what is the repercussion of you by doing something today and how do you get to where you want to be in five years from now? And so you're constantly having those discussions mm. and constantly looking at those things. Um, but really it's just, it's eliminating all the barriers for, for people because inherently people have, you know, they're talented, they're skillful in a lot of these, in, in a lot of ways. And so 
if you can look at that and say, I only want you to focus on this. You are great at this. You are a rock star at this. I don't want you to deal with that 5, 10, 15, 20% of the other stuff. Let's take that away and let's let you focus on what you really love and what you're really good at. And if you can do that, you see people like completely strive and take off. And, um, and, and that's, that's the goal that that's, I think should be the goal. And you talked earlier about transitioning communities online to offline, which is something that immediately perked my ears up because as digital media has grown over the past, however long, what's actually happened is that I, th- I feel as if community has become this like, authentic or this inauthentic word, um, which has really been um, misused, m- mistreated. And what we've done is we've created communities online that haven't converted offline, which you guys have done extremely well. What's been the secret sauce in that? Like I may have 100,000 Instagram followers and X amount of impressions, but I throw an event and 36 people show up. What's up with that? (laughs) Well, a lot of it stems from the communication with the people and with the audience. And so I'm going to take it back, uh, well, probably about 15 years or so um, when I was a kid. And and so when I say that my whole life has stemmed around community, uh, this is a, this is one of those clear examples. Um, Every summer, uh, we as like friends and um, and and our you know young community didn't really have anything to do, and you know we loved playing sports, we loved playing basketball, and we never really found a league of our own. And so, when on one hand I'm thinking, okay, well, if if my friends and my age group don't really have things to do, we're just going to get into trouble over summertime. Uh, we're not in school. We don't really have anything to do. And so I went and I started a basketball league and I said to nice. a few friends, like, would you, would you be up for this? And they said, yes. And so I think the first year we had about 60 or 70 people, we had a whole ton of teams and, and that was our way of bringing the community wow. together. And the next year we did it again and we had more community support and had it become like an official little league and still had another 60 people or something like that. And the, the fun part was, is seeing this online offline conversion. And so you build it up and this is back in oh, probably the early 2000s. And so you build it up in such a way where you get people to come, but then you think about the off the online component when you're not in person and people want to see scores, they want to have a community to talk with it, they want to see leaderboards, they want to have all these things. And so how can you bridge those two together? And so that was way back then where I saw, okay, well, how can we connect these two? Uh, but it all came from talking to people and understanding what are they missing in life? What do they need in life? What do they want? And when you start to ask those questions, you get some really good answers and some really open, honest answers. And so when people say things like, you know, we need this sort of event, and if you can find that event that's happening, okay, well, we're going to try to promote that thing. Um, Um, Or if they need a dialogue around something, well, let's give them a way to have that dialogue. And so you start to think about and and ask those sorts of things because that's what's really missing. And that's what I saw in the beginning, um, you know, that gap that existed. It was all one-way communication. So I'm going to tell you what I think you need to know, but I'm never going to ask you for your opinion back. And when you can open up that two-way dialogue, that's when you really win because you're giving me feedback directly on what it is that I'm doing. And then we can adapt from there. And then maybe I'll bring you into that conversation and I'll say, look, Joss, what is it that you're interested in? What are you knowledgeable about? And what is it that you're missing? And you want to have a conversation about, and then maybe I'll make you 
one of the one of the anchors of that and then we'll bring more people around that conversation and because the one thing i've always learned is if you're feeling one way and someone else is feeling the same way there's probably a ton of people who are also feeling that same way and so you just get them all together in one little collective group and you have that discussion and then you do that with all of these other topics at the same time mm, very interesting okay because again like that offline online offline conversion is something that i feel lacks specifically in this in this city like in in this in this community where you have incredible influencers you have incredible personalities you have movie stars and celebrities and yet we don't have that underlying camaraderie or that under underlying community or the underlying um <sighs> tribe of of people the way that um LA does or Seattle does or Portland does where they have these rich, vibrant communities and identity, a, a collective identity that they say, yeah, I'm from Portland, Oregon. You know, people don't say I'm from Vancouver, Canada. They go, yeah, I'm from the West coast of Canada. And, and I always found that very interesting. And, and one of the questions that I really wanted to, to throw out to you is that what do you think Vancouver's identity and culture is and or should be and or take that however you want to take it well i'm never going to say what i think something should be uh, sure. because we're all going to have different ideas but what's what i find very interesting and, and one of the things that you just said like i know there's a lot of people who who are very proud to be from vancouver but at the same time there is a bit of a negative connotation that comes along with that and so we as a community here we have that bit of a stigma that's attached to it. And so how do we look at things to say, okay, well, if you look across Metro Vancouver, we have such a diverse group of people from all different backgrounds, from all parts of the world, all parts of life. And one of the things that we do is we just say that, you know, diversity is our strength and diversity is everything, diversity, blah, blah, blah. We say these nice, nice little taglines. But what's what I find very interesting is what we don't do is actually celebrate our similarities and the things that actually bring us together and so as an example i look to uh, i look at how we treat elders in our community so from right. a an indian background um, that i have uh, i look at us i look at chinese and and the asian community i look at the indigenous people and we hold our elders to such high regard we're all similar in that exact same way why don't we have those sorts of discussions and look at things to say, okay, these are things that are bringing us together. We're, we're all the exact same people. But instead, what we do is we look at our differences and we see that, okay, instead of looking at the strengths that we have, we look at them and say, okay, well, how are they tearing us apart? And let's have those discussions to try to bring us together. Well, instead, let's look at the similarities we have and then let's get together on those things. But mm -hmm. in terms of an identity, I think, you know, it, it's, it's tough because we are such a um, a big, small region, and we have a lot of people, and everyone wants to have their say, everyone wants to have their voice heard. Um, we need to have more dialogue around that. We need to ask that question that, uh, you know, where is Vancouver going to be in 50 years or 100 years from now? These are things that I know people, we don't have those conversations. We're always talking about, well, what is Vancouver going to be in five or 10 years? And I get it, I understand it, and me as someone who's lived all my life in Vancouver, uh, and, and, and a lot of that has been, um, even in the city of Vancouver, I worry that am I going to be able to afford to live in Vancouver? That is, that is step one. That is the problem that we're all facing right now. Uh, but then what is that next, next step after that? What is that next conversation? Let's think about things and ask that, what is it that we want this community to look like and feel like? 
And let's not just focus on the next five or 10 years. Let's also talk about what the next 50 or 100 years look like. Because like I was saying in the beginning too, what we do today is going to affect how we get to the next 50. And so if all we're looking at is, well, sure, it's going to affect me today. I'm going to pay higher taxes. Uh, I'm going to have construction everywhere. I'm going to have all these things. Well, if that's all we're talking about, we're never going to get there in 20, 30, 40, 50 years from now. I'm worried about my kids and what their life is going to be like in this city and what their kids are life is going to be like in this city. And so if we can start to have those conversations and actually throw it out there and say to people, you know, what defines Vancouver? Let's take all of the words that come together. Uh, it's yes, it's the outdoor lifestyle. And yes, we have the mountains. Yes, we have the water and the ocean. Yes, we have the great trails and running routes and all those sorts of things. But it has to be a little bit more than that. We have to be a little bit forceful um, and a little bit, um, uh, you know, a little thoughtful in terms of where it is we're going um, and, and be a little bit, uh, uh, you know, just... Um, I'm losing the word right now. Uh, I've been I've been talking so much here. You've got me no worries, no worries. Um, but we need to be thinking about those sorts of things so we can all come together and uh, and um, yeah, I've totally lost my train of thought here. <laughs> it's no worries. It's all good. Coming coming together, finding our similarities, doubling down on them. Yes, it's outdoors. Yes, it's the trails. Yes, it's our beautiful landscape. But digging underneath that, I for me personally, I'm trying to find things culturally like whether it's a hockey team whether it's a soccer team whether it's something a coffee scene uh i don't know uh let's find things that we all enjoy and come together around those and maybe we can actually get some level of cohesiveness there especially in the world today which i think we need more than ever is cohesiveness yes we're diverse but we're we have pockets of diversity rather than being collectively diverse. And when you're collectively diverse, I think that's really where the strengths are. Just a couple of thoughts. Yeah, totally. We have to support one another. That's, um, that's I think, the Vancouver stigma is that we like to say we support each other, but we know that nobody supports each other. Yeah. Uh, not many actually do. So if we if we can be a little bit, um, uh, a little bit thoughtful uh, about that sort of thing, and, and we can actually go and support one another, you bring all the, those things together, then we'll achieve what it is that we're talking about here. Yeah, absolutely. Farhan, I know I got to let you go here, but I have one more question that I absolutely have to ask you or I will never be able to live with myself. And that is, as someone that has been in your position for the last eight years, watching digital media, different social platforms, everything progress, as you know, here at Self Hired, as a content studio, as someone that's constantly working, doing collabs and da-da-da and da-da-da and podcasts and all these things, where do you, as someone who has watched content grow over the past almost decade, where do you see this whole concept of content going? You know, it's interesting because I am, uh, to be honest, I'm struggling with that right now uh, in terms of even just how I consume media. I went from a time of literally being in it, inundated with it way too much and I'm trying to understand even how me as, you know, an insider, outsider can understand how I start to do that and how I can look at what it is that people are covering. How do I follow the things that I'm interested in and how do I, you know, make my lifestyle around that? And so that on its own is a really interesting one that as I take a step back, understanding that, you know, average people have a 
I'm seeing right now, have, it's a really difficult chance to consume media news and information um, unless you're actually being deliberate and going and finding the things that you want. You're, you're, you know, you're waiting on things like Twitter and Facebook and maybe Instagram, maybe LinkedIn and maybe the email newsletters that you subscribe to. And that's your way of people pushing stuff to you. But, but if you want to be deliberate in what it is that you're doing, how does that happen? So that's something that I'm really questioning right now is what does that whole experience look like? And how do I go find things that are happening in, in, in my community? Uh, you know, the future is a really interesting one. I think that, um, I think personalization is still going to happen more and more. And, and we've seen uh, newsletters especially come across this way. We've seen different um, different social platforms and channels and, and brands that are developing so that if you want something, you can go get it specifically. However, at the same time, the problem that comes with that is that if you're putting all your eggs into one basket, well, you're forgetting that there's a ton of other baskets out there. So yeah. how can you have a bit of those drips across the board that, I'm, only, I'm, I'm really interested in these two, three, four things. However, I want to know what's happening around me and I can't forget those things. Um, and so that's one, I feel like paying for content is something that's going to be a big discussion here in Canada over the next, hopefully, few years. Uh, I've seen it happen in the States and I've heard publishers and outlets down there talk about it where it's just the norm. It's, it's culture that you pay for content, you support your your local institutions and local organizations. And that's something in Canada that's really tricky right now is, and we've seen it now where there have been dozens of outlets that have closed down or they've let people go. And that's something that is, um, that's something that's a really unfortunate thing that we need media, we need organizations, we need people to do the work that they do uh, because that is, you know, they're the only ones who can really do that. They're the only ones who, um, who have the accountability to it. They're the ones who literally do it all day, every day. And so how do we look at media and say media and organizations and these news organizations, they're things that we need to pay for because right now, uh, probably majority of Canadians don't pay for content right. uh, other than probably Netflix and maybe Spotify or Amazon or things like that. So, those are those are your your big multinational, big international corps. Uh, those are not Canadians that are creating local content, and so that I think is a big conversation that we are, I know, in the industry having, and it's something that needs to get looked at more closely, because otherwise, what happens is you rely on advertisers for for your revenue, and when you're going through a time of crisis, your advertising gets pulled. And if you don't have advertising dollars, that means you really don't have much money unless you have a small group of memberships or subscriptions. And so if you don't have that, then the company is not going to succeed. And so how do we have those discussions? How do we support local? Uh, I think local is always going to be the thing that's around. I've always thought this. Um, I grew up on the North Shore and the North Shore News was one of my favorite outlets because right. it gave, gave me exactly what I wanted. It was telling me what was happening in my community. And so I've always feel like community is going to win. Community news, community media, everything community is going to win. How do we go and not just create them and build them, but how do we support them so that they are long lasting, so that we can think that in 20 years or 40 years or 50, 60 years, that they could still be around. Right now it's this, it's you know a bit of a naive thing maybe to think that you know, you'd look at BuzzFeed, look at Vice, look at all these big organizations. They went from nothing, they had crazy valuations, and now they're starting to decline and, and they're starting to let people go all over the place. How do we look at that and think that, well, if they're not sustainable, then what is sustainable? 
And if we don't have a sustainable media and sustainable news organizations, then how do we have democracy? And how can you know how can we have that um, that interaction there? Uh, and so those are conversations I think that need to be had. Thinking about the future, thinking about the future of media. Uh, it's not just all about the fun, fun things and the you know the fun things to read and things to do. It's it's really also about things that are happening in our community. We need investigative journalists to go out and ask questions and take months and maybe years to develop stories and, and work on stories and, and interviews and do all these sorts of things, but they need support in order to do that. So mm -hmm. sustainable media is something that I've been thinking about for a long time and I'm still continuing to think about that. Does that give us any hints on what's next for you? No, I mean, it's, it's something I still look across the board. Like I, you know, I had, uh, I had a Globe and Mail subscription and I realized a couple months ago that I was paying, I think it was over 30 bucks a month. And I said, yep. this is not sustainable. And I subscribed to a bunch of others and I'm now cutting my subscriptions because, you know, I, I think I had three or four different subscriptions that were totaling about a hundred bucks a month. And I said, this is not sustainable for an average person, where if I want to get a national, my national stories and that, and I'm supporting different organizations, this, this is crazy. No one can spend 1200 bucks a year to support the sorts of things. So how can we make it affordable and how can we make it something that, uh, that everyone can have access to, regardless of their income, regardless of their status and their lifestyle and all these things that everyone should have access to media and right. access to information and access to news. And so, uh, so not necessarily what's next, but it's, you know, these are the questions that I'm having. And I think that I am now fortunate that I have been in the industry, that I am able to have those, those conversations and ask those questions and hold people accountable and, um, and, and try to push the bar higher. I feel right now uh, across media, across many different things that our bar is so low. How do we take it, you know, maybe a notch higher or two or five or 10. Let's, <laughs> let's, let's strive to be better and say that, you know, we're not okay with being okay and that we can be better. And, you know, good is not good enough. Let's, let's strive for more. Let's strive to be better. And let's ask those questions and have those dialogues with one another. Right. Yeah. No, I mean, there's a plethora of incredible creatives, writers, journalists that don't see a future and that's something we got to change and i'm and i'm trying to talk to the smartest people to figure out how we do that anyways incredible comments farhan i really appreciate your time we are past our time here um again just want to thank you for everything that you've done with daily hive part of what you've done at least in my eyes is create some sort of blueprint to how organizations can be built out and exist in the digital space because before this at least in my eye there, there was nothing where we could look to and say, hey, listen, if you don't want to become the Global Mail, if you don't want to come become uh, CTV, if you don't want to become whatever it is, Vice, whatever it is, there's there's another route for creators to actually go and think about community and think, thinking about actually harnessing that power. So I really appreciate everything you've done and thank you for uh, being a part of Vancouver's identity. Of course, uh, anytime, glad to have conversations around how we can be better and build a stronger community. Amazing. Well, I will let you get to your next event. Again, thank you so much. We will direct people, of course, to Daily Hive as always. We will direct uh, people to your, your Instagram and your social channels as always. And uh, I really look forward to seeing what, what happens next, man. Thanks, Charles. Awesome. Have an amazing day. Thanks, you too. What's going on, team? Not a bad conversation, I know. 
Farhan is incredible. Uh, really appreciate your time once more. Yeah, um, what can I say about the conversation? Enlightening to say the least. I have so many follow-up questions to that. He, there's so many little nuggets there. There's a couple things that he said that might have went over your head or that you might have missed. So if that's the case, go back, write some notes. Go back, double up, ask some questions, hop into my DMs or whatever it may be, hop into whoever's DMs and just try to you know get some answers to those questions. Uh, really dig down and try to figure out the knowledge that he dropped here because this isn't one of those fluffy conversations where like, yeah, the guest said some stuff but they didn't really say anything. Nah, there's a lot of like meat to get through here. So go through, check, uh, check out some of the you know, the show notes that we have on the website. Uh, there's lots of things referenced there. We have those all listed on the website, thinkspacepodcast.com. And again, make sure you guys subscribe to the channel. Damn, we need a better way of saying that. It's horrible. Um, when you guys subscribe, whether it's on your podcast listening platform or it's on YouTube, you actually help the algorithm find us. And now in 2020, we are all slaves to the algorithm, which is something I want to talk to Farhan about, but didn't get a chance to. Um, which is which kind of sucks because I know there's a lot of people that listen to the podcast but don't subscribe to it. Just just hit that button, man. I really, really appreciate you. And that will help other people find us. It'll make the podcast show up on the Discover page, all these different types of great things. So I really appreciate your support as always. Um, and if you did, just like, yo, DM me. Uh, find me on Instagram, at Joss Biggins. Let me know you subscribed and uh, love to engage in whatever way. So anyways... Here is Farhan's Mohammed's uh, Instagram. We'll put everything up on the pod uh, podcast website. And yeah, really looking forward to next week's guests. Really looking forward to continuing to build. And I'm really looking forward to, um, we might actually hold some events, uh, maybe at some point, somewhere, somehow, uh, in the next couple of months once COVID's out of the way. And I'm really excited to hopefully bring, you know, some live podcasts in, maybe have some exclusive events, uh, you know, maybe do some events with some past guests or whatever it may be. Um, just really want to build in the community. Uh, love you guys, miss you guys, want to interact with you guys, even if it's from six feet, whatever it may be. So really looking forward to getting together. Shout out, um, weekly shout out this week. Who's doing really cool shit in the community? I'll shout out TriStar Vancouver, Kajan, for a previous guest on here. Um, who moved all their classes online. Incredible, incredible. I know a lot of businesses have done that. If you guys are into martial arts, if you guys want to learn jujitsu, if you guys want to learn um, boxing, any type of martial art, um, just get a Kajan. He's incredible, incredible, incredible. I cannot vouch for him enough. Uh, I've, I've done a couple of sessions with him myself. I'm terrible, but I'm learning, and, and that's what matters. I also want to shout out um, FWE, who has launched their resiliency program, uh, Forum for Women Entrepreneurs. If you're a female entrepreneur in Canada, you need to be looped in, in their tribe, in their organization, in their network. Um, so make sure you get to that. We'll link to that in the show notes as well. Who else can I shout out? So many local businesses. Ah, here's another one. Wisdom Club. Wisdom Club is one of the first places I actually first went to get my haircut in Vancouver um, by homie Rain, who now works at Dank Mart, which is super dope. Wisdom Club actually, again, opened up uh, when I first moved to Vancouver, and now they just opened up their second spot called Knowledge, which is Wisdom Club, super expensive, you know, 40 bucks, 50 bucks for a cut. Um, knowledge is actually, um, you know, they have cuts around $30 or something like that, $20, whatever it may be, that, that type of price point. So if that's something you're looking for, they actually have a new location out on Main, um, Main and Broadway, right by that fresh, whatever it is, market. Um, yeah, I cannot 
be more of an advocate for those guys. Great human beings have really done business the right way, family oriented, great digital creators, incredible creatives all, all around and great humans. So if you need to cut in Vancouver, um, there's many amazing barber shops, but that's one of them I couldn't recommend more highly. Doing everything we can here at ThinkSpace to support community, shout out our friends. Oh, we have a lot of friends with businesses and you know, local feels better. Local adds value to my life. Um, local, local truly makes my life better and I think it can make your life better too. So rather than going to one of these big change, chains, you know, go to go somewhere local. So, and if you do, let us know about it. If we hit you with a recommendation and you go, let us know your experience. Um, we're doing everything we can. We have an audience here at ThinkSpace and I want to help transplant that audience and say, hey, go support this business, go support that business, whatever it is, um, because we need to keep money in the community right now. Um, as it pertains to COVID-19, we need to support our female entrepreneurs. We need to support our black and brown and any person of color, all of their businesses. We need to, you know, get connected, stay connected, stay rooted, stay rooted, uh, stay rooted in love and stay rooted in and our brothers and sisters that are right here with us here in Vancouver. So anything that we can do to support them, as always, those are a couple of businesses I love and support. Farhan, actually from the pod, uh, would know a lot more local businesses as well. Daily Hive always supports a lot of local businesses. So anyways, that's all for this week. I look forward to chatting with you guys next week. And um, as always, peace and love. Appreciate you guys. Have an amazing week. Thank you for tuning in.